Training for Ultra, Ultra Running Stories from the Middle of the Pack. My book is now available on Audible and iTunes, so feel free to check it out. Just a quick update on what I'm working on, kind of behind the scenes and what I've already put out, actually. Check out my YouTube channel. I have two new videos I put out. Um, One's on a kind of film premiere that, uh, or film showing, I should say, that we put on at Berkeley Park Run Co., and uh, it was it was fun. There's also another one out there for Michael McKnight, who won the Triple Crown of 200s, his first run back. I went on a group run with um, a few people, and it was it was a good time. But I put together a YouTube video there. Um, I do have I've put together a mini film festival uh, at Go Far in Boulder that takes place October 29th. So if you're in the Boulder area and you want to, um, we're going to have Matt Daniels there. Kirk Horton's going to show one of his films. I think he might help show one of Matt Trappy's films and should be a good night. I think we have rad on food. So awesome that Kelly is going to help out there. And then, uh, Sufferfest beer is also going to provide beverages. So should be a good time. Check out, I think I have a an event on Everbright or whatever that website's called. I, you can check it out on uh, Facebook also. And then last but not least, I am planning next week a Halloween episode, Ghost Stories from the Trails. Um, if you have a good one, direct message me, let me know. Hi, this is Katra Corbett, and I'm an ultra runner, and I'm an author of Reborn on the Run. And that was a moment I, I can look back on now. And uh, that was one of my favorite moments, getting a foot massage by Hayden at mile 62. This is um, a fan of yours, and I'm just calling in to express my admiration. It's Dean Carnassus, the ultra marathon man. Hello, listeners. This is Chris Mako, and we are live. And you're listening to Training for Ultra podcast. This is Anime Flynn, and I'm here talking to Training for Ultra podcast. Yeah, it's like really, I just need to catch up with Rob. 100 miles is not that far. <laughs> I, I thought oh. it was a joke, actually. It, it is. I thought it was one of your jokes, yeah. It is a joke. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so classic. <laughs> oh my God, because literally thing would be like beep, beep, beep. Mother, mother, beep. Mother, mother, beep, beep. Mother, beep, mother, beep, 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 beep. One, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Training for Ultra Podcast. I'm Sally McRae, also known as Yellow Runner. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra Podcast. Hammer Nutrition, if you haven't tried them out, feel free to use my promo code 2528-88 to save 15% off your first order. And just to verify, so last week I got some questions on what type of salt I was taking, and I forgot Enduro Light Caps. Uh, just in the chaos of getting ready for Moab 240, I forgot that bottle of electrolytes, and so I was using just an off-brand salt cap. So I got that question from a few people, and um, you know, it was it was a pretty bad mistake on my part, but. That's what happened there. Sufferfest beer. They have a new beer out called Head Start. It's a new stout. Really, it's a good beer. Um, if you're a fan of stouts, highly recommend it. They now have national distribution, so check out their website for your nearest retailer. 
very good company. Um, and now finally with national distribution, so you can pick it up locally. You know, I hope, uh, Exoskin, I've spoken highly of them. I still do. I am highly likely going to be using their toe socks, calf sleeves, base layers. You know, they have some compression gear that I use during recovery all of next year. Highly, highly likely. They've announced they're going to support the Amazon film kind of TV show that Ryan Clayton and I are putting together. So I should give an additional shout out. Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, and Exoskin are all backing um, this TV show just because of how enormous of a task it is. You know, we have to get some other companies involved. Really excited. Ryan and I are actually, we're looking at timelines. I'm hoping, and I'm not promising this, but I'm hoping episode one comes out December 1st. So that's kind of my goal. So look forward to sharing that whole um, project with you guys. Again, I don't know if anyone will ever detail the triple crown of 200s like we did just because of how cost prohibitive it is. Um, Big thank you to Ultimate Direction. I did receive a lot of questions on what belt I was using. And I think it's just one of the ultimate direction waist belts. And I've, I've gotten mixed, you know, some people say it worked great for them. Some people didn't know what belt it was. Other people said it didn't work for them. This is just what worked for me. I used a medium battery and because a lot of times I have a lot of drop bags, I can take those Kogala medium sized batteries and put them you know, in three or four drop bags and then swap them out or have my crew charge them. And so, you know, and there's little bungee cords on both sides of the ultimate direction belt. And so the Kogala light just is pretty easily strapped in there without having to customize it. Again, Ben Light was the guy who even gave me the idea of using a waist belt. I was trying to affix it to my vest somehow, but it's game changing because it just the way um, you see the trails different and there's different settings on the Kogal light. But yeah, for me, like for California Untamed 330, without a doubt, that's the uh, setup I'm going to use. I would say for any distance beyond 100K, like throw on a you know a little tiny headlamp if you're, if you have an extra 45 minutes in the dark during a 50 miler or, you know, 100k or something but yeah you can turn the the setting up super high and it lasts for like maybe a few hours but there's different light settings that rob who um founded kogala you know showed me how it worked and i i set my light down to one of the lower um levels just because it gives off more light than probably a headlamp even at that level and it saves the battery so there's the background on my belt. I know a lot of people are starting to use them and I personally have had really good luck with them. Got me through the triple crown. So again, I just share what I use. A lot of times that coincides with um, podcast sponsors. I love working with companies where I actually believe in the gear. (laughs) So um, I do have a lot of companies that reach out that I don't work with because I don't believe in their product. As simple as that. And that actually, I mean, it naturally leads to my last podcast sponsor, Destination Trail, Candace Burt, Crystal, that whole team. 
Um, if I don't believe in a race director or a team that's putting on a race or the safety of the race, um, you know, if I've read horrible reviews and looked into it, done my due diligence and not, um, believe in that race, I'm, you won't find me there. So, um, yeah, the products I use are, are the products I recommend the races that I race, unless you hear me, uh, say otherwise, you know, I've vetted out and that's who I want to work with. So, um, hopefully you get a lot from that. I mean, I, I'm not going to sell out and, you know, use a product just cause they pay me a ton, you know, a ton of money, which is actually nothing. Um, but yeah, enjoy this episode. Catra's just, uh, she's becoming a really a good friend at this point. You know, it's hard to run three, 200 milers, and uh, share miles and not become friends with people. So enjoy this episode. Katra, welcome to the uh, Train for Ultra podcast. And I'm excited to have you. You know, we've shared a lot of miles. You were super nice. Um, I think it was one of my first hundreds. I think Havelina hundred in 17. I probably stopped you on the trail for like 30 seconds. And you were super nice to say hi. You probably stopped a million times during that race. But... <laughs> It's those little things that I remember, and that's why you know, I'm excited to have you on. So thanks for taking your time here. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Wow, you've done a lot since 2017. Holy schmoly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you, I just, you know, kind of go headlong into things and don't look back. So um, yeah. <laughs> You've had a heck of a year. I mean, so you've been on tons of podcasts and like told your story. You have a whole book, you know, if you're interested in Catra's story from the beginning, it's an excellent read. I, I think I've, um, I think I listened to the audio book. Um, it's, it's a fun read. It's, uh, you know, part of it's kind of hard to, hard to listen to after meeting you in person and knowing you the person now. Um, but I'm glad you got through to where you are now. Um, Thank you. But tell me about 19, because, I mean, I thought I was trying to be somewhat ambitious with my 19. Um, <laughs> you you had a heck of a year. How did you start this off? Like, what were you thinking? And was the triple always, the triple crown of 200s always in the cards? Or did you throw that in later? Well, no, I did it last year, too. So this was my second year for doing the... Uh, 200 uh, for the triple crown. Um, I wanted to do it again because I wanted to do better at all of my races and I figured I could and I thought, well, I'll do it one more time and then I'll give back next year. So that was my goal. Plus, you know, once I got into bad water, that's pretty much when I decided, oh shit, I'm going to have a pretty busy year and I'm not going to have much time to train for Bigfoot because, you know, with bad water being all road and flat mostly, I mean, you are climbing, but it's all road um i wasn't i was only gonna have two weeks to train for bigfoot so yeah going into that (laughs) that's crazy i know i mean i know uh, my body knows trails because i trained so much but i really took a lot of time and trained specifically off you know on asphalt for badwater this time since i live so close now i was able to get out on the trail and go i mean on the road and train out of death valley so that was you know, I figured I would have a really good race this year doing that. And that wasn't the case, but (laughs) so you did your heat training actually like on the course. Yeah. I was able to go out to death Valley. Well, normally it's, 
here where I live in Bishop, which is a um, couple hours drive to Death Valley. So mm-hmm. I live like an hour away from the finish over in Lone Pine, which is over at uh, the base of Mount Whitney. So normally Bishop is triple digits that time of the year. And we didn't have triple digits until later in the summer. Cause as you know, the Sierra's got a lot of snow this past, uh, last winter. So it, the temperatures really never, never came up. So I went out and trained on the course a lot in the heat and I, you know, did sauna training and all of that stuff. So I was well prepared for the heat, but it wasn't a super hot race this year. So, I mean, that, that wasn't my problem. I don't know what happened to me. So <laughs> I figured I could be two hours faster, but for some re- reason, I was two hours slower than I mean, the let's, last time. Let's take a step back. You, how long have you lived in Bishop? I, I know I've driven past it getting to uh, the Tahoe area from the Reno airport. Um, uh, have you lived there a long time? Am I in the right category there? I mean, um, Actually, if you were in Reno, you would have not driven to Bishop to get to Tahoe. If you were going to, if you were coming from LA, you would. Okay, so it's it's the other direction. Okay, maybe I'm I'm sorry. I'm all turned around here. That's um, okay. So it's near Mammoth. It's in the Eastern Sierra. So it, it's like I said, it's an hour away from Lone Pine from the finish of where Badwater is. And I've lived here for a year now. Okay, so, that makes yeah. sense. I was confused because <laughs> the the climate north or in between Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And uh, Reno seemed like moderate for driving one hour, and uh, yeah. yeah, no, okay. So you're <laughs> no, you're I'm... south of a lot of that, okay. Um, yep. This might be the one time I edit because of what a massive error that was on my part. <laughs> um, That's how, okay. <laughs> how long have you lived in Bishop? For for a year, so I've been here uh, since July okay. of last year. Yeah, and did you pick it? Because of the trails, like, because we're, well, we're sick ultra runners, so yeah, that's well, a lot always, of what we like. <laughs> well, I've come here for years to train. I've always um, gravitated toward some, coming to the east side, like, once a year to train because it's so beautiful and there's so many trails, and you can get in and over into the Sierras, onto the John Muir Trail, and I've done the John Muir Trail, like, 13 times, so, I mean, I've known of Bishop because I passed by here and I would always stop here and I have trained out of Bishop Pass and done a loop that's called the North to South Lake Loop. That's a 60 mile training run. Now a lot of ultra runners that live here do that as training. And I used to just come out here just to go and do that as a good training run. But, um, I didn't actually pick it. So Phil, my boyfriend, he got a job. Uh, he works for Sierra Life Flight. So he's an air airplane pilot, like in an air ambulance. So, Mm -hmm. That's why we ended up moving here. <laughs> oh, interesting. So, but it was a good okay. thing because we were looking to move to the mountains, and he just happened so happened to get a job here um, like a year and a half ago. And so he had been working here, and we were living in Fremont, and then we ended up getting a house here. So he bought a house. So Very cool. Yeah. And so has has that area improved your training at all, or is it like pretty much the same as always with you? And I want to hear more about your training. If you're to yeah. the point where you're so experienced, you just kind of go have adventures and have fun and you don't have anything like really concrete. So it has helped. And so it's funny because I still have my same doctor in the Bay Area because he's a great doctor and he deals with a lot of athletes. But he told me, he goes, in a year, he goes, you will notice significant improvement in your racing and I was like, ah, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm older, so I'm not as fast as I used to be or, you know, 
mm-hmm. I, I slow down a bit and it just so happens it happens with age and I've been doing this for 20 over 20 years so but sure enough he was right because all of the 200s this year seem so much easier <laughs> Is that because of the altitude, or is that because of the... Oh, yeah, because I, tr- I can okay. up at altitude. So I drive, like, it's only 17-minute drive, and I'm at 9,000 feet. That's amazing. Go, yeah, I That's can go amazing. right up to Bishop Pass, right. which is 12,000 feet, or I can drive, like, 45 minutes another direction. And I've been up Whitney four times this year as training, you know, hiking up and running down. And, and that's our highest peak in the continental United States, 14,505 feet. So it's legal... Legal legal blood doping essentially. Exactly. That's you had so many more red blood cells or white blood cells. I always yep. get it confused. Um, exactly. Cool. That's really nice to know. Because um, I think in the book you talked about Bishop, but I just can't remember honestly. I did um, a little bit. I think at the very end. So let's talk about Badwater. I want to hear just a little bit more details. I think I saw Candace Burt's Instagram stories, maybe. Uh, yeah, was she, she was, my, was my she crew. crewing you? And, and yeah, of course she was. <laughs> how'd you how'd you pick crew, and how'd you feel going into the start line? So I had the so my boyfriend's done it three times, and wow. he's he's crewed no me kidding. the last two times that I run it when he hasn't run it. So I had him on crew, and then I had my friend Joyce, who has also crewed me before there, and uh, Gabby, who's who's been on my crew before too. And so Candace was my only newbie on the crew. So. And I thought it would be great for her as a race director to get the perspective of a different type of race. And so I asked her if she wanted to be on it, and she agreed. So it that's how I ended up with her. So she was my only newbie. Everybody else has crewed me and paced me before. So How'd they, how'd they do? They did great. They, how'd, you know. how'd your newbie do? <laughs> oh, Candace did awesome. Yeah, she had a great time out there. In fact, she even considered like she might possibly do it someday. Oh, I mean, cool. Before beforehand, you know, she was like, eh, I want to run around that much on the road. But I think she realized like how much work a crew has to do there because it's it's basically, you know, you're self-supported with just your crew and your crew has to work a lot. And she realized, wow, it's like a pit crew. Like you're mm-hmm. stopping every two miles, getting out, getting stuff, getting the runner, you know, going again or running across the street. You know, it's a lot of work. It's, you know, like nobody's resting and relaxing until you actually start pacing. And then they, you know, then there's a little more downtime because you got one person out of the car and then their pacing so they can have a different job instead of just like constantly be on it for me. So they all had their own job. Sounds easier just to run it. (laughs) It it is. It is. I mean, I've been, you know, I've crewed it like, God, I don't know, seven, eight times. Cool. So, yeah. So it is definitely, to me, it's easier, but I, I'm one of those people that I have a hard time letting go of the control of having other people be in charge of my shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, but this year I, I, you know, I let go of it a little more. I was like definitely managing everything the last time I ran it. And so it took, you know, a lot more effort doing that. I had a great race in the beginning and then I just kind of fell apart and I even got delirious, which, you know, it's, you're not out there that long, 48 hours. I mean, it's like, I shouldn't be having sleep deprivation. And for whatever reason, I just got really sleepy and really tired. When, when during the race did you get tired? Was it during night, like when it got cold? No, not at the, you know, it happened like towards the end. So I finished in 46 hours and I did it in 42 last time. And I figured 
easily I could do it in 40 if I trained on the road because I didn't really train much on the road last time. Mm -hmm. But that completely just blew up when you get tired and you're just like zombie marching. You know, it was more in the the day that I was just like really out of it. But um, I would say like 30-something hours into it, I did get sleepy when the night came and I had to lay down on the ground for like 15 minutes at one point. But that, you know, <laughs> I mean, for me, for, that shouldn't have happened. For, for us, a 15-minute nap uh, after the triples, like nothing, right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> so what's, well, I should have felt rejuvenated, but I really didn't. I was oh, just like, and worst. my nutrition was off, and, and I know things I did wrong. And it's like, you can't, you know, I can't, people can't make me eat if I don't want to eat. So what would you do wrong? Was it hydration? That's normally kind of like base level. No. No, I was fine with that. It was just like I didn't eat enough. And I noticed um, this time, too, you know, I had a really good run just to jump ahead at Moab. And it was because I was eating every hour with my gels and stuff that I had to carry in my little pouch. I carried a waste fanny pack thing. So that way I constantly had nutrition right in front of me the whole way. But at Badwater, I was just like when it's hot, you just even though it wasn't a super, super hot year, it was a hot year. You yeah, know, it's like to most people, like a hundred and you know twenty is like <laughs> super hot. It, it was like a hundred and seventeen. So you lucked out. <laughs> lucked yeah. out with your hundred and seventeen degrees this year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's funny. So, but I just wasn't eating enough nutrition. So if you're not getting calories in, as you know, you could completely fall apart. And so you know that's why I slowed down. It's just I didn't have the calories in me, and I wasn't you know wanting to eat so So, i mean it's i'll 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 say it now and i think rich roll and a bunch of other podcasts you've done emphasize this and and do a great job diving in so i don't want to go too deep but Mm -hmm. the fact that you're vegan like sean nakamura is another just excellent vegan uh super long ultra runner like you guys amaze me because of in my view at least it takes a little bit more effort to get the caloric intake than it does uh, to just have something right off the grill and easy and like, oh, you know, it's double the calories that a lot of times you would consume. So what kind of foods do you eat during a bad water or, or any of your 200s to get that caloric intake? Because you're burning the same amount of calories as any of us, you know? Yeah. So it's during those, like if it's shorter, like in a 200, I sit down and ate the vegan hamburgers and the vegan hot dogs and lentil soup. So I'm eating more food in 200s than I would like in a hundred mile race. I can just do like Tailwind yeah. and um, your energies and almond butter packets and get enough nutrition. Okay. Um, nut butters. Yeah. That's yeah, a good one. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And I was using a new company and I don't even remember the name of them, but they had one that had coffee and MCT oil in it, which oh, cool. I liked in it. I use those during the 200s, but just like the regular Justin's almond butter packets. And, yeah. you know, I, I do a lot of that to get the extra calories. They need an ultra running team. I was talking yeah. to them. They <laughs> they sent me so much stuff. Like, it was well, awesome. They need an ultra running team. Don't you think that'd be cool? They sure do. They, well, <laughs> when we ran across the United States, they supplied us with nut butters. So we have some, so many of them. They have some ultra runners working there. They love They love the community. It's really cool. Um, that's impressive. And, and honestly, I don't tell anyone this, but I like, I like vegan hot dogs. Like, <laughs> Good. Well, there's nothing like, wrong with that. There's not vegans that eat vegan hamburgers. You know, it it's like sounds, sounds weird, but pretty much equal to a regular hot dog. Like I just, 
they taste amazing to me. I don't know why. Um, and they make those. <laughs> I think it's a corn dog that might be vegan. That's just like, I oh. mean, yeah. I don't eat. I don't eat wheat, so I wouldn't be eating a corn dog because of the bread. I I don't either. It was it was cornmeal. I think. <laughs> I think, it's, oh, I think it's gluten-free. I'm gluten-free. Um, Wait, me too. So where did you have this corn dog? I think, it's, a, I think it's it's nothing healthy. I think it's like a frozen like morning star or something. Oh, I got, okay. I got to check out what's actually in it. It's probably <laughs> processed to all hell. But um, Well, in races, I don't, you know, I've been vegan before I was even a runner. So I've been vegan for 25 years, going on 26 years. So, and I was a vegetarian since I was nine. So, because people ask me, how did book, you become a yeah. vegan or has it affected you? And I'm like, it hasn't affected me at all because I've always <laughs> been this way. So, but I understand, like, I have friends that, you know, for they've been, I, my friend Julia, for 19 years, she's been like around me and she, and I keep, you know, I slightly, you know, try to convince her to go vegan and she hadn't. And then, she started reading Rich Roll's book, and mind you, she's been my friend 19 years, and then she found out I was going to go on the podcast, and so she's like, can I go with you to Rich Roll's house? And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, I've been a vegan for a month now, and I'm like, wait, I go, all these years, you didn't do it because of me, you did it because of him? Like, I think I think uh, I'd, I'd go vegan if Rich Roll had me on his podcast. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been vegan before. Um, I'm... I own uh, this cheese is nuts and I've made all those recipes and um, yeah. I've, I've toyed with uh, like throughout high school. I think I was vegetarian mostly and I've tried yeah, just so going vegan is not that much harder back I've, in the day. Let me tell you, it was much harder. Oh, I can't imagine because <laughs> Boca burgers have been around forever and black bean burgers and all the easy kind of cheat options yeah. have been out well, there. Well, and I don't eat, I don't eat soy either because I have a soy intolerance. So this, I back, might, <laughs> honestly, yeah, back but. in 90, uh, 90, when was it? 94. I mean, there wasn't, you had tofu. That was your like that was it? substitute for me. There was like no other else out there. So why, so. why did you, uh, you've gotten this question a million times, but why did you go that route? Like what, what why took you, yeah. What took you from vegetarianism to veganism? Well, I actually had been talking about it for a few months to one of my friends. And after I got clean and sober, right when I got out of jail, I decided, okay, I'm going to go on this vegan quest now since I've been cool. vegetarian majority of my life. And so it just gave me something else to focus on and gave me, you know, just something else to think of, you know, like yeah. getting clean and sober. And it was like not an easy time for me. So just, re you know, being able to read up on being vegan and things like that just gave me a different focus. So I, I remember I the caffeine pill story oh, in your God, book. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and how you felt like this guy was, like, dealing you drugs, basically. Exactly. Or it, no, she, it I think. She, it was a yeah. woman, yeah. yeah. But I just thought it was like, you know, oh, my God, that's like drugs. You know, that's like doing speed I mean, again. Essentially, it is drugs, but yeah, but um, it's okay. Acceptable. So yeah, I was going to ask you, like, you're back on caffeine at this point. Yeah. So uh, I want to say 2006, I started drinking um, espresso. Nice. <laughs> I remember you when don't mess I around. Outside, I was outside, <laughs> and I had to like be awake and crew somebody, and I was like, yeah, you know, what? I think I'm going to get an espresso. <laughs> and I think I'm going caffeine. But I didn't do it all the time, and then like around 2008, I started doing doing espressos every day. Cool. So, <laughs> so how did bad water finish for you after you got that 15 minute nap? Were you able to at least like just 
gutted out or like yeah i did how did it feel you know i just didn't have the best race and i was going up to the portals and i was hallucinating and like talking craziness to my pacers and you know they my one pacer uh joy she she had never seen me like that i mean she's helped me at 200s and i wasn't even that bad when she paced me at tahoe last year but i was just like making no sense whatsoever were you you seen (laughs) like were they visual yeah i was just so out of it everything was like yeah Let's hear the details, catch. Well, I kept saying, so I you know I'm going hallucination stories yeah, for uh, Bigfoot. Bad. It was just weird shit. It was like I the guardrails look like containers, and for some reason, her brother, who I was, he was supposed to do the JMT with me, John Muirchild, this summer, and I, he, we were going to do send out a resupply, and for some reason, the guardrail rails look like a <laughs> container that would be a good thing to send out for the resupply it was just some <laughs> stupid random shit yeah that's and, how your brain and works she, right? and i kept t- talking about containers and she's like what are you talking about those are guardrails and, we, <laughs> and so now every time i drive by those guardrails when i go up to whitney i'm just like i don't understand how that could be a container <laughs> so it was just stupid stuff it was nothing like what i actually get during 200s but it you know for that short amount of distance and being awake it was like i don't know why it was so whacked out of my brain so maybe you, the heat you you go <laughs> through the finish line i mean mm-hmm. most notorious for for um bad water is your feet are kind of destroyed because you're baking them uh yeah. in these shoes no. were your feet destroyed or how did no, they hold up no, no i never get blisters no I never wow no yeah i just changed my socks a lot and we're a little bit bigger of a shoe. So, yeah, that melting of the shoes and stuff, I've never seen that happen. Okay. <laughs> and I've been going there since, like, 2002. So. Well, I think, I mean, this is just my theory. Um, I've only run for four years now. That over time, your feet become almost adapted to being, being like, more resilient. So like, oh, I think so, yeah. my first year I had blisters running five mile training run and then like slowly they just start building to the point where now I can do the triple crown and like not really have any blisters per se. Is that kind of your, what you've experienced well, over 20 years or? Actually, no, it was, I got blisters up until 2010 when I started wearing hokas and that's when my blister problem stopped. And I've tried okay. every sock combination, but now I've just been with Drymax socks and Hoka's since 2010. And I get, you know, occasionally I'll get like a sore spot or something, you know, yeah, of course, yeah, of you course. know, in the triple crown, like the ball, my foot gets sore. So I just have Todd or whoever tape it and then it's fine. I don't end up with some massive blisters or anything like that. I just stop it before it happens. And I think the thing with changing socks constantly yeah, is definitely helped me. But I, oh, I know I had horrendous feet all the time. Like, I just thought that was what you did. You ran 100 miles and you were going to have blistered feet and your feet were going to always be like that. I mean, I pre-tape, I did everything under the sun. Like, I have John Von Hoff's book, How to Fix Your Feet. I mean, I've tried (laughs) everything for years and it'll work for a minute and then, you know. But it was just the the shoe combination, you know, finding the right shoe that worked, I guess. What about foot lube? Um, I use squirrels nut butter on my feet and i do too helps. yeah so the the vegan one of course yeah i do too 
Yeah, so I'm vegan when it comes to my feet. (laughs) That's why they came up with the vegan one was because of me. Really? They couldn't. Oh yeah, yeah. That's why there's a wiener dog on the lid. Oh, I didn't. I didn't notice. That's Truman on the lid. There's a wiener dog because of Truman. So yeah, um, they wanted me to use the product, and I'm like, I can't. It has beeswax in it, and he. No kidding. Craig was was like, Oh, interesting. He goes, I go, Yeah, I'm vegan, and he goes, Well, you've given me a challenge now. Let me look through my ingredient list. And so when he was developing the vegan version, he kept sending me samples and we were going back and forth to try to get the consistency right and this, that, and the other. And so that's how it came about. That's really cool. I didn't know that. I use your product. Thank you. Yeah. So, and that is why the wiener dog is on there. It's for Truman. (laughs) That's so cool. I guess we, we just gave squirrels nut butter a plug. So yeah, exactly. Um, so how are you feeling you just finished bad water. It sounds like it didn't go great. Like how's yeah. your confidence level going into the triple crown? You've done the triple before, so you know what it's like, generally speaking. I mean, are you intimidated? Are you questioning yourself at all? Or well, are you just <laughs> excited to go out there? Like I, I'm excited, but I have like exactly 10 days to train now. So I have to get on the trail every single day. <laughs> the minute I finished bad water, it was like no rest. I was climbing mountains to get my legs ready for, you know, Bigfoot because it has a lot of climbing. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. So, so I was excited to get back on the trail. Let me tell you that I was like excited to start, you know, back on the trails because that's my love is being out in the mountains and being on the trails. And when I was training for bad water, I mean, it's like, I got trails all around me, but I'm like, no, you have to stay on the road. (laughs) Okay. Go over there. (laughs) So yeah, it was, it was sad. (laughs) And so, where were you mentally uh, day before the race? I think I saw you, actually, at the pre-race meeting. Um, Excited. And I think Phil was there, too. I think, did he he run the race? Well, he started, and that's where he ended up tearing, he got injured again. Oh, yikes. Yeah, so he tore his uh, tendon, his, um, I don't remember now which one, but he has to have surgery on it. Oh, that's never fun. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, he... It broke his pelvis in 12 places like 18 months ago. So it's, you know, he's trying to come back to fast, I think. Yeah. And he knows it. That's and ambitious so, for yeah. that big of an injury. Well, he still showed up at uh, all but one of the races last year because he was in the Triple Crown as well last year. But he was, Jeez. you know, he, yeah, but he was already signed up. And then mm-hmm. he just thought, well, I'm going to go, you know, try to get to 50K at Tahoe. And then, you know, at Bigfoot, he ended up I forgot where he got to but then he came out and he crewed me and then he paced me at the end so he went you know wow. as far as he could yeah so he was back out there again this year so and where were so you went, where were you mentally I was excited you know I was like excited to go you know I was my friend Julia who I had been helping her train for it was excited you know she had trained in the mountains and you know she was there so I was excited for her and just excited to get it going and man did i not realize like this shit was gonna hit the fan out there with the weather <laughs> luckily <laughs> oh my luckily, gosh well i bought a pair of gore-tex pants the day before over at rei i bought a pair of arteryx gore-tex pants i don't own gore-tex pants i have like four gore-tex rain jackets by uh, arteryx but i was like yeah 
yeah, I should get a pair of these Gore-Tex pants. And I am so thankful and grateful I got a pair <laughs> of Gore-Tex pants because those were like, I was in heaven. I felt like I was just in a cocoon when that storm hit. <laughs> it took it took me till uh, the Tahoe disaster to realize I needed Gore-Tex pants and all Alteryx oh <laughs> coats. Um, but that we'll save that for later. Um, so what, what what's the disaster? Well, let me ask you first. How does mile one of the triple crown of 200s feel to you? Like mentally, are you just so experienced that you're just living in each footstep and enjoying that? Or is there any intimidation in your head? Are you looking at the bigger picture? Not to me. I feel like I'm just out on a fast pack because I've done, you know, long trails. I've done the Pacific Crest Trail. I've done the John Muir Trail multiple times. And I go into those not thinking it's a race. I just think I'm going out in the wilderness to do a fast pack, and there's actually aid stations out here, so I don't have to carry everything with me. So this is easy, So I I try to do that to calm my mind. I mean, if you look at the big picture, it's very daunting. It's like if you think I'm going to run 200 miles, people look at me like I'm crazy. Other ultra runners that run hundreds are like, I could never do that. I'm like, no, 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 no. You are going about it in your head all wrong. It's not 200 miles. It's 200 miles. You know, it's it's a different tone. It's like, <laughs> take that down. You can't run a 200-miler like you're running a 100-miler in yeah. the first part of the race. I mean, unless you're super fast. But that's not how we run it. And people don't get that if they they just hear the number and it scares them. And in reality, 200 is way easier than running 100, in my opinion. I was just going to ask you that question. Yeah. It, compare, it's, compare the two, because I, I know my comparison. I've written it down before. I want to hear yours. Well, a 100-miler, you're going as fast as you can for a shorter distance. And a 200-miler, you can't do that. You can't blow up in the beginning. I mean, you got a whole another 100 miles to go. If you get to 100 and you're already shot, you got another you know, long distance to go. Plus you're stopping at aid stations in 200s and you're eating because you've got to go sometimes 22 miles before you have an aid station. And that's a long ways to go. And hundred mile races, you generally don't ever go that far without an aid station. You know, if yeah. anything, maybe like nine or 10, it would be tops. And how do you like that 25 mile segment at Moab? Well, we had the one water stop, but that was 25 miles. Catcher. Was it? Yeah. I didn't even realize. <laughs> 25. That was brutal. Getting into um, Breaking Bad. That was. Oh, I didn't uh, re- realize we went that far. I guess you're right. <laughs> well, all I knew is when I left mile like 18 that I had to carry all my shit until 73. Yeah. That was more of yeah. an issue yeah. for me going, I, I don't remember this last year. And I. There was an aid station with a drop bag in between last year. I guarantee you. Yeah. I mean, I, I just can't. And I was talking was. to Garrett, and I think he said there was at fifty six or something. Yeah, Breaking I go, Bad. I, yep. I don't remember having to get all my stuff and trying to pile it into my pack because I'm getting, you know, because I'm thinking ahead, like how cold we get out there, and like mm-hmm. this is the third year I've run it, and both years it was like shockingly cold for me to. Go, I've never been so cold in my life in a race like I have been at Moab two years in a row. So I was like, got, I got ski gloves. I got like pants, two pairs of pants. I got my Gore-Tex pants plus a pair of tights. Plus I need my now to put my parka. I mean, my puffy jacket, my micro puff in my pack 
along with my rain jacket that I have in there with a hat. Like, so I'm, so I'm shoving everything. We need like 30 liter packs. <laughs> yeah. In reality. Yeah. So I have a 15 liter, but I'm able to stretch it to make it into an 18. And so at this point you got to get everything in there. I mean, of course, later on you take it out of there and then your pack has some room. But in the meantime, then I'm like, where am I going to put my food? So I luckily yeah. brought the, had bought this uh, Patagonia little fanny pack thing that I used when I hiked the John Muir Trail this summer because I didn't have a spot for my phone. My pockets weren't big enough in my Osprey uh, hiking, fast packing pack. So I was like, I better just have this at mile 18 in case I need it. So my crew had it. And I was like, dude, I need that fanny pack. I go, I got to put all my food in here. I don't have yeah. anywhere for gels. I got to take everything that I'm going to want to use for 73 miles. And I mean, until mile 73, sure, I can get stuff at the aid stations. And I know some of those spring energies are vegan, but not all of them. And I've gotten to the aid stations where all they had the ones with honey. And I'm like, eh, I can't have that. Yeah. So, so I got all my gels and all my almond butters packed in there. So I had stuff in between the aid stations to use. So, yeah. So I, I felt like I just was like overly stuffed. <laughs> Like Same with, yeah. here. Seriously. Yeah. And so, I, wa- I watched people leave there and I'm like, what are they carrying? They're not carrying enough stuff. And I was, I like, like a like single handheld. Like I was everybody's mom. And I'm like, what do you, you know, but I'm like, that's not my problem. You know, it's like you learn on your own. You know, I'm not going to tell anybody what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. But I'm like looking at their packs and going i hope they make it you know yeah exactly um so back i mean 100 versus 200 i think 100 miles (laughs) is more physically demanding for sure i think 200s plus are three times more mentally and emotionally demanding exactly i would say it's mental that's that's what makes us different is we have the mental attitude to get through it and if you don't have that mental toughness, you could easily give up in a 200 because it's daunting. It's a long ways to go. You're like, you got to re- be reduced to knowing you're going to hike a lot. And if you can't handle that in your mind, then you're not going to be able to get there. Yeah. You know? Mentally, mentally, you got to be ready for a 300 miler um, yeah. <laughs> when you're doing a 200. So let's go back to uh, Bigfoot. How's the uh, first half of the race go? And then... I woke up in the sleep tent and looked over, and I think I saw you putting your shoes on. So, Catcher uh, <laughs> and I have officially slept in the same tent. Um, not that we were aware even, of that, but no. And I don't even think I slept because that race I hardly slept at all, and I had a mental breakdown. Yeah, I had huge mental issues out there. So, how'd so. the first half go for you? Well, I would say the first hundred miles was good. And, you know, I always try to go over to over 100 miles before I take my first sleep break. So I did that. And then the second half, slowly, uh, for lack of sleep, my mind started going. And I'll tell you what I learned is I learned that I should not take any caffeine five hours before I want to sleep. Because if I do, then it makes me just lay there and not sleep. So I learned that at Bigfoot. That is vital info, folks. If you're doing longer races where it involves sleep, just rewind and listen to that line again because that's key. That's totally key to planning out things. And had I even thought about it uh, then, I would have done it. But So the second half, I swear to God, I was like 
I don't remember half of what I was doing. I would just stop. I'd be climbing and I'd be like, I don't want to go that way. I think I'm going to go back down. And I'd turn around and start going the direction I came, like out of nowhere, like for no apparent reason. And then I'd realize, wait, you're supposed to follow the ribbons up that way. Oh, okay. And I'd start going back on course. But I, I spent probably a good four or five hours during the race of just going on and off the course. Just wow. not knowing where I was. Oh, it was horrible. I mean, I would see was... people and I'd start going towards them at night and people were being like, where are you going? And I'm like, I don't know. Like <laughs> literally I was, my mind was gone. So and that, I, I would say the last 30 miles, it was just really bad. I, I want to hear details there, but backtracking um, to the first hundred, how was that storm? How did that affect your race? Cause that <laughs> well, was, what? that was a storm. <laughs> And you'll see it, it on the Amazon TV show that I'm putting together. I think Ryan Clayton got some capture of how severe of a storm that was. But I want to hear oh, wow. it from your perspective. Well, I actually happened to run into one of my friends who was running the race. And we were chit-chatting. And his name is Andrew. And I said, hey, you want to go? This is before the storm ever even came. I I said, Hey, do you want to go through the night together? And he was like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's great. You know, I'm not going to have a pacer until, you know, the next day or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I don't have a pacer. So we decided, um, early on that, you know, around mile 35 ish, 40, that we would hang out through the night together. So luckily I was with him and we came into the aid station and I wasn't going to put my pants on. And I saw him putting his pants on once the, the storm started I was like, okay, I better put those new pants on. So that's we just kinda- so funny. That's exactly what I did. I mean, we team. I we both essentially teamed up just out of like dumb luck. I mean, yep. Interesting. Well, I- so did he drag you out of that aid station during the lightning storm? Oh, we both went. It had, the lightning just was starting. And we laughed, and he's taller, so I figure if he didn't get hit. <laughs> and then this girl was like kind of behind us, and she's like, Could I stay with you? And I was like, Yes, of course. And she started slowing down, and then she's like, It's okay, you can just leave me. And I go, No, 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 nobody's leaving you until we get you to the aid station. So we made a pact, and like, you know, we're not going to leave one of our fellow runners, you know, especially we're now in, in that, the thick of the yeah, storm. And I'm like, bad. She was having problems with her light, and so we got it all situated and I got her backup light out of her pack and I go, nobody's going to leave you. And, and actually I got a really nice uh, message from her husband. She ended up having to drop her feet got really bad, but he was like very thankful that we were very nice and we stayed with his wife and got her to the aid station. And I said, you know, that's what we're here for. We're here to help each other. And in a situation like that, where it's very, very unsafe to really go out and we're in this race and it's like we just got a beeline and hope for the best that nobody's going to get struck by lightning you know because we're all going into this storm so we just you know if we needed to we could have hunkered down but we decided just to mo you know trudge on and went right through the storm so he was in the front she was in the back they're both taller than me <laughs> so <laughs> you were comfortable I, yeah we just <laughs> like we didn't even talk we just like we're all bundled up and i just kept thinking God, I hope I, I hope we don't die. <laughs> that's all I, I kept thinking. I think that's pretty much what was going through my <laughs> yeah, head. Yeah, because I mean, I saw people down below, like seeking shelter, and we're up on the ridge. And I just remember, like every so often, it the whole sky was like somebody turned the lights on. It was bright. Yeah, and yeah. then you'd be in this darkness, and then all of a sudden, brightness, and then yeah. darkness. And it was, it was just like we just got to go for it. 
It was just we it was it was too. back to those nightclub days. Like exactly. it's just a dance party out there. <laughs> it's a big dance party out there and we were all whacked out on drugs. <laughs> it's like a bunch Sleep of Sleep deprivation. Um Yeah. But so yeah, we so we survived. <laughs> where were where were you when um it, it was like the storm ended and then there was one last like middle finger crack of lightning? Do you remember that? Like I the, do remember that, and that one was close to it where we were at. That hit and, within a quarter of a mile where I was. It scared yeah. the hell out of me. Yeah, it was like a very crackly crackler. Yeah. Yeah. It was the very <laughs> last one, too. It was weird. Yeah, and it seemed like the majority of the time we were like in a in a cloud, so you couldn't see the the bolts through this clouds we were in the fog or whatever it was. Yeah. But then like, as we headed up the ridge line and then came out of that, then you could see, and then we were able to see like that strike close by. And he even, Andrew was like, that's close. Cause I kept counting in my head, you know, in between the, the claps and all of I that. I talked, I talked to the girl who was like 10 feet away from it. Oh, um, shit. at the next aid station, she said her ponytails went straight out. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share any more details because it's yeah. it's actually all on film too, but she wow. was lucky. So lucky. Um and that's I, crazy. I, I was crazy. I was lucky, honestly. Um so it sounds like the last thirty miles of this race, things got loopy. You were exhausted because oh you were trying to sleep in a tent next to me, yeah. and I was snoring really yeah, loud. It was, it was uh, probably forty or fifty miles. Like I guess forty or fifty. Oh. Yeah. So I what what happened? At all. Like I'd lay down and and try to sleep. I think I laid down once or twice and nothing. Like I don't remember sleeping. Yeah. There was too much. I think at one point, I hope I'm not mixing up races. I'm pretty sure it was this race. There was like a, a pacer and a and a runner and they were talking so loud right outside the tent, you know, and you're not thinking when you're the runner, you're whacked out of your mind and, you know, and I'm just like I had a go out and I'm like, you guys got to fucking move. You know, it's like, I'm laying here. I can't sleep. I don't want to sleep. Yeah. So I hope it wasn't you. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Yeah. So that, that happened a few times and I'm just like, ugh, I'm just going to go. I can't sleep. This isn't working for me. So, you know, and I laid down a couple of times, I think on the trail, but for the most part, I didn't, I didn't get much anything. I mean, maximum maybe two hours uh, combined with, you know, the five minutes here and there what, and everything else. What would have been ideal for you? Well, I like to try to get around five hours, like a three and a two. I think and that's key. Like I've, I've gone into these wanting less sleep and it was totally the wrong solution. I figured this out in Moab because my crew let me sleep longer than I should have. And it was an amazing race for me. Um, yeah, I think you you're, really you've good. nailed it. I think four or five hours for a regular 200 mile distance is great. Yeah. And that's, just, and that's adding up the five and 10 minutes naps on the trail too. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. So what I noticed this, you know, not to skip ahead, but at Moab, I only had a two and a half, like a two to two and a half hour solid sleep. I took a couple of hour breaks where I didn't sleep. And then I did a lot of 10 minute sleeps on the trail and that rejuvenated me. So I got my one solid lights out two hour full on like yeah. with my recovery pump boots on and then felt freaking fresh. And that's when it was like mile 121 when it was freezing, that's fresh and cold. I, that's yeah. exactly what I did except for the recovery <laughs> boots. But yeah, yeah, that's exactly. And wow. And I felt good. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And then um, just 
the five and ten, but but back to uh, Bigfoot, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't have any. If not, plus, I didn't have a vehicle there, and I was on my own. Yeah, so I had no crew, no pacer. So it's nice when you have a vehicle and you can go in and lay down and do the sleep because then you get a better sleep because you're not in a tent and people coming mm-hmm. in and out and. So it, it was nice at Tahoe and Moab to be able to have my vehicle right there for me. Our race so. is parallel. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very weird. Our triple's parallel. Um, I didn't get bad water in before this, but... Um, or the John Muir Trail in after Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, what happened at Bigfoot when you hit town? You told me this after the race. And my oh, mind, my God. My so. mind is still blown. I'm going to shut up and listen to this epic hallucination <laughs> story <laughs> so phil as you know was in the race so but i didn't even know he i mean i didn't know he had already dropped out or whatever but i all of a sudden had this vision of him and truman truman my dog my one of my wiener dogs they were pacing me in town and i was kind of turn around and i would say something to them and i'm like they're not even here <laughs> so i ended up like doing that a bunch of times staring in a ditch and then i was like Phil, I need to sleep. I'm going to go in front of this house. And there, you know, the houses all have like lots of property acreage. And there was this one house that was close to the road and there was a rock. And I was like, I'm going to go to sleep over there. Wake me up in 10 minutes. And I'm talking to myself. So if anybody's <laughs> coming by, they would know, like, I'm thinking these people in town are like, oh God, the, those people, those 200 people are in town again. <laughs> so I go and I fall asleep, like just like looking like a, who knows what, you know, I'm <laughs> like just nodding off in front of somebody's house, like a drug addict, probably when I back in my drug days. So I nodded off and then I wake up and I'm like looking around and I'm like, where the heck is Phil? Where's Truman? No, no, they're, they're not there. So I get up and I start going and the same time, I'm still like, you know, back and forth in my head. I feel that Truman and Phil are with me and I'm, you know, talking out loud to them. So I was like in and out of reality. Well, then at some point, I think two miles from the finish, Phil drives up <laughs> <laughs> and then I fall apart. Like, I am ready to, like, you know, I just lost, and I'm like, I'm lost, and he goes, okay, I'll see you at the finish, and he drives away, and I'm like, what the fuck, he doesn't even, like, he, like, get, let me get my shit out, and it's like, I wanted to vent, and I wanted somebody to feel sorry for me, you know, and he's just like, okay, I'll see you at the finish, good job. <laughs> So at any point, were there actually two fills? Were you talking uh, to two fills or did they no. all, they combined into well, that, one? Then, then Phil went, the, the, the pacing Phil went away and the Truman, I still kept thinking he was with me here and there. And I was just like, and I still was continuing on two miles and I'd stop That's a long, and stare, oh. stare at the ditch and just like wake up. Like I was standing there staring at like at the ditch and then I'd be like, whoa. What are you doing? Yeah. So luckily a mile from the finish, then my friend Julia, who was attempting it, and she had a great experience. She didn't finish, but she, you know, that storm really scared the hell out of her. And luckily she was with Phil through the storm. So she had somebody to hook up with because she's like, I had to stay with Phil. But she goes, I had a great, you know, 130 something mile experience. And so she's going to go back to Tahoe and, and try another. So she came out. Luckily, I saw her, and then she got me to the finish, and she was. I was trying to explain to her. I'm like, I'm so out of it. I just started crying. I'm like, I don't know what happened to me. Wow, I so saw I was that very finish. Very happy to finish that yeah. finish line. You you 
kind of collapsed yeah. collapsed onto that the was, finish line like, that was the end That's i was wondering I left. Yeah. my mind it wasn't so much that my body it was my mind that just had enough my mind had enough like it was that was it i wasn't budging i just had to go down like my mind was that shot like so crazy yeah. And I realized it. I look around and I'm like, whoa, I just had to have a moment, everybody. <laughs> you know, I was like, I didn't even realize. Well, I just like went down. That's the first finish line I've ever seen. And I was like, well, is Katya just like really emotional for finish lines? Like, I, I didn't know if that was normal. <laughs> no. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't it's... normally collapse like that. It was just like, I was physically, like I said, just meant, it was more mentally. My mental state was so gone. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I've never experienced any kind of, any kind of mental issues like that. And I just think just being out there and alone and kept, you know, when I was out there, I would hear things like, you know, okay, you're supposed to go this way. And then at one point I thought like these two guys were after me and I was just like, just weird shit would pop in my head. And I'm like, man, I cannot be watching these like you know, true crime stories like Candace is always <laughs> listening to. And I'm like, fuck, now I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's somebody's going to come get me and kill me and chop me up in pieces. You know, it was like stuff like that was going on in my head. I mean, and, I, I think people always think hallucinations are visual, but I've had oh, a no, lot of audio. audio. I, yeah, yeah. I hear people talking to me and saying stuff to me. So, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it gets the best of you. And the only, in last year, it was weird because I, did the triple crown last year and I had nobody pacing me or crewing me at Bigfoot, but I was a lot, I was with Dennis Williams and I was with this guy, Alec, uh, Nat, I forget his last name, but we were together through the night and we were together through that one section before we hit the road at the last aid station. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that, I didn't remember cause I was just behind them following them. So that's why I felt so lost out there. I was so confused because so... nothing looked, Helpful. Nothing looked familiar. I kept like yeah. remembering something else. And I'm like, this wasn't here. That wasn't there. And I'm like, I remember nothing, you know, cause they got me basically to the aid station and then Phil paced me to the finish last year. And I, I was out of it then. Cause I kept telling him there's cars, tell those people to close their car doors on the road. <laughs> and there was no cars, you know, oh, God. that kind of stuff. But this year it was just like scary, scary stuff. Like I kept seeing Lots of Bigfoots, and I was taking pictures and sending them to my friends. And then my friends were like, well, that does kind of look like a Bigfoot. I go, see? You know, and then I was making videos, and I was like, I'm almost there. It's just around the corner. And I went back and watched these videos, and I'm like, I was nowhere near almost <laughs> around the corner. You were 30 miles away. <laughs> I, well, no, I was still only on the road, but it still was so far freaking away. It was like I was lost on that road. You know, oh. And I finished so much slower than I did last year, I think by – I don't remember last year might've been like 92 hours, 93 hours. And it was 96 hours this year. Something ridiculous. But yeah, yeah it was just, it was because of a lot of wandering and sitting on the, the 90, like 91, 91, yeah. 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 So five hours at least. So yeah, I was much slower. So I, I got my emergency blanket and gave up in the race at one point on that section before I got to that last aid station. I curled up in a ball and wrapped myself up, and I just thought, oh, somebody's going to come and find me at some point. I'm just going to stay here until somebody comes. And then Whoa. I was like, what are you doing? You're almost to the finish. You know, my mind would go back to a reality here and there, and it was like, get up. You know, I was like, who knows? I mean, maybe it was my 
angels helping me along because I was so gone. Yeah. <laughs> but I would just do stupid shit. And then I'd start going the other direction and runners are like, where are you going? And I mean, I don't even know who the people I was encountering. And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I was like, they, they just were like, Oh, <laughs> like everybody was already out of it. But I think, you know, at some point that guy at the last aid station, when I got in, he goes, we were really worried about you. And I go, Oh, he goes, yeah, we were asking about you. And people were saying, they were wandering and then they would see somebody in a ball on the ground. And I was like, well, that was probably me. So what what did you do, Catcher, to hit the reset button and get ready for Tahoe 200? Because that's not necessarily like a confidence builder. I mean, was having sleep cars available, having crew available after Bigfoot into Tahoe 200 like helpful? Or how did you recover from the race and then how did you hit the reset button to mentally become confident again in your your running well seven days later i did the john muir trail (laughs) that's one way to do it (laughs) well no and then the climbing i was like killing it on every climb my friend from canada who came to do it with me she's like on the world champion 24 hour uh team and she's really fast she's done bigfoot and uh Moab and and she was having she goes man living at altitude you have an advantage here she goes you are are climbing up every single pass like it's nobody's business and I was like happy that she was telling me that I was like wow I guess I'm I'm doing good Charlotte you know and we just did it as fun like a hike you know we were doing like 20 20 to 30 miles a day and and she was just really impressed at my climbing so that gave me confidence just knowing I was going into Tahoe that we have a lot of climbs and that I felt really good about my climbing. And then, you know, I was sleep deprived out there. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I just got to remember that I need to get my sleep and not do caffeine. And I, we didn't do caffeine when we were out there. So once I got back, I quit my caffeine right before the race for a week and then told myself no caffeine, you know, five hours before you want to sleep. And I didn't start doing any caffeine until um, 11 o'clock the, the first night. Cause I thought I'm nice. just going to completely be off of caffeine yeah. and then I'll use it and get me through until I get to my, you know, knowing that I was going to want to sleep at one Oh three. And so everything just fell into place. So I, you know, I started getting mental, like right before I hit that aid station for my sleep, because I had to do without the caffeine for five hours. And it definitely helps you when you're tired. And it was like, I kept wanting caffeine, but I was like, no, you just got to get there. And so I was, for whatever reason in my mind, I thought my pacer was trying to take me to an animal shelter, like right before I got to 103 and I was getting pissed. I'm like, why the fuck is she taking me to the animal shelter? I don't want to go to the animal shelter. And I think it's because I had just adopted a new dog. I don't know. I'm like, I have no clue. But I kept saying, where's the, and she doesn't know the course. And I'm like, where's the aid station? She's like, I think it's coming over here. And I'm like, she doesn't know what she's saying. (laughs) So she got me down there. And then I even told her like later, I'm like, I was getting mad at you. You were trying to take me to the animal shelter. What are you talking about? I go, this is things that happen. She hasn't, she hasn't, she's running her first 50 miler coming up pretty soon. So I, she, she was like laughing at me. I go, this is what happens to us out here. We get wacky in these long well, the so Rubicon, my- <laughs> the Rubicon trail is difficult. I mean, did you oh. have trouble with the dust, the marble, oh, my God. marble yes. dust? Like, well, this year there were so many jeeps out there, and I know it's yeah, a trail. Yeah, but there was a celebration a going on because I eventually asked somebody. I'm like, okay, what is 
up this year. I have never noticed this. And I guess last year we were, you know, we did it in reverse. So it was different. And the first year there was not that many vehicles when I did it. So that was the third time I had done Tahoe. And so the guy told me there was like some Jeep crawl thing happening. So some Jeep Rubicon anniversary. Yeah. Oh, some gosh. sort of thing that was going on. So there was hundreds and hundreds. So on the trail, I'm sure we encountered at least, I'm not kidding, at least 30 on the trail. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And there was probably more, but it was just like, you know, having to maneuver around them. And, you they know, wouldn't, and they was, wouldn't move either, which is horrible. Can't, really. Yeah, I mean, we well, they drive right them. at us occasionally. I was like, come on, guys. Like, I, I had no problem. I mean, if okay. they're trail to be reality, nobody runs out there and they're not expecting runners. And, you know, we, you know, in certain races, there's certain trails that, you know, we just got to go around them. And that's oh, why yeah, I that totally, I've always totally. looked at the Rubicon like that because that is not a running trail, period. Like, <laughs> not even a mountain biker. Nobody goes on that trail but these Jeep people. That's not a hiking, really much of a hiking trail. That's there a good point. There are hiking trails out yeah. there. But it's like, who in the heck would want to go out of there on their own? Not me. <laughs> I mean, in the race, yes. So I, And I know they're trying to creep around. And they got people out of the car. And they're like trying to get sideways and you know a lot of them were very nice i mean they're just like yeah yeah no there were a lot of nice ones there's just one that i swear sped up there was one that sped up for me i swear oh (laughs) well i noticed that a lot at moab when i was on the road i'm like really do you have to come like barrel rolling right by me at like 30 mile 40 mile an hour with all the dust like really was that necessary after doing the rubicon (laughs) trail do you look over like when you're driving somewhere and you see a jeep rubicon and you see the rubicon written on the hood do you kind (laughs) of smile to yourself a little bit Yes, always. I mean, we <laughs> okay. have Jeep trails here in Bishop, and I run up on the Jeep trails. There's a 53-mile loop, and, you know, sometimes runners will do it, and once in a while, maybe bikers, but it's mainly a Jeep trail as well, and I've been way out there, and they're like, are you okay? Because nobody runs out there. Yeah. They're not expecting a runner, you know, on these rutted trails, and I go, no, I'm just running, and they're like, oh, <laughs> like, that's a weird thing for you to be doing like, out here. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I go, no, it's okay. I go, I live in Bishop. I just like running up these trails because it's a lot of climbing. So, but they're not like those type of things. They're, they're you know, if you look in um, Jeep forums, it's like they're meant for just people to go out there in their Jeeps and they get like groups of people. I mean, I've, I've encountered like a group of 20 of Jeeps where I've had to go around them wow. out here. So- yeah, just because. They're crawling around. Did that did that marble dust like uh hurt your lungs at all? Did it hurt your feet oh, yeah. at all? Like were so your feet I, okay? Well, I, I was changing my socks quite often because of that. I mean it I the shoes I was wearing, it was just that fine dust goes in there and your feet get all powdered up. So you're like and it was getting underneath the ball of my foot, I noticed, so it was Oof. causing a little friction. So I had to like you know, tape my balls on my feet because they were getting sensitive. But I had my um, buff that I definitely had up over my face. I mean, my face was dirty from all that dust. Because I'm like, why aren't you guys telling me my face is dirty? Yeah. Why are you telling me my face is dirty? It's like the beginning of Havelina <laughs> so, 100 I, almost, right? Yeah. So I definitely used the, the buff a lot through that section just for the breathing. And, of course, you know, there your nose gets super dry. And this year at Moab, it seemed like 20 times worse, too. Was, I got a bloody nose yeah, out there. Moab was worse, for sure. How did yeah. um, how did the first half of Tahoe 200 go? Because it seemed like it was a pretty good race for you. It was really good. It went, Everything, I felt great, felt 
mentally strong, like physically felt great. You know, have having done the John Muir trail, um, the climbing was like nothing. Like our high point. I know. Oh, we're at the high point. Where did that come from? Okay, I didn't know it was even already here yet. It Tahoe <laughs> Tahoe felt flat. I know it's not flat, but I feel like Bigfoot no. kind of kicked their butts too. And no, well, it did. You know, um, it's like I didn't even go yeah. the route you went with training before Tahoe, but <laughs> yeah. So I felt more confident, you know, just because it's like basically, you know, I you know I thought I was going to be having a hard time when I went out on the John Muir trail with my friend. Cause I was like, I don't know what kind of shape I'm going to be in after Bigfoot, but I used it as like a great confidence booster to get me through the rest of it. Cause then I, you know, the climbing felt great. And then of course, you know, I was waiting for our weather. I knew we were mm-hmm. going to have something and rain and I was prepared, but shit, we weren't, pre- <laughs> we weren't thinking snowstorm. That was epic. <laughs> honestly. I, yeah. I, I, I that's as sketchy as it's ever gotten for me on the trail. I was soaking wet. My waterproofing came off my coat somehow. I was a wet dog in a blizzard. Oh God. Um, it was bad. It was really bad for me. I mean, where were you when that storm hit? And when it like that rain was so cold and then. Yeah. The so snow. I was at the aid station. I forget which one, but uh, right where, mm. I mean. I don't remember. That was a good point to actually be at. So I came to Tahoe City. So yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. So I got all my stuff. You know, I saw that it looked like it was going to rain. Then it started. So I got everything on. I got my pants on. Got my rain pants on, and took off out of there and with my pacer. And it was pouring. And then as we started climbing, as you know, then snow, snow. So you're wet, but I had all my Gore-Tex on, and I was good. So. Everything was fine in my hands. The gloves I had on were not waterproof, so my hands were cold. And then I realized my friend Julia had thinner gloves on, and her hands were really, really cold. And so she ended up getting a pair of hand warmers from, I forgot who was behind us or who passed us, but one of the um, runners gave her some hand warmers so she could just hold those in her hand because her hands were soaked and cold. But she didn't complain. But I knew that later, she told me. (laughs) That climb, I feel like, was a microcosm of the ultra running community. It was like everyone helping everyone get through just disastrous, uh, like, situation there. It was just like an outpouring of, like, people caring for other people and just everyone just pushing forward and getting through it like you had to just keep moving i told her yeah. that i can't stop i said you have to stop and pee i cannot yeah i cannot stop yeah. julia you just have to catch me because i will get hypothermic it, i go i need exactly. to keep my body moving so and, and you're even what? you're waterproofing your gore-tex is working and you still have oh, to yeah. keep moving yes yeah i am fine i just it was very cold i mean i had a puffy on underneath i mean i was definitely layered up i had long sleeve i had my micro puff i had my arteryx gore-tex jacket on i had um i had we had like two hoods on from you know and a buff on my ears and then now you're just rubbing it in yeah (laughs) then i had a pair of tights with my gore-tex pants over that so i and you know and the only thing that was really cold were my feet got really really cold because my feet were wet, and I thought, oh, man, this yeah. is the time to have a freaking pair of Gore-Tex socks. i got to invest in a pair of Gore-Tex socks for these moments in time. Hmm. You know, that would have been nice to have. 
So I've kind of looked into those and I, I think I'm going to get a pair of those just to have as a something in a situation like that. And, you know, and I'll practice with them here in the winter and just to see how well they work up in the snow. So, so what, what else notable happened for the remainder of that race? Anything? So I, uh, I'm trying to remember if anything, no, just staying alive through that section. To me, that <laughs> section was the hardest part. And it was literally like a flashback of being at Moab. I mean, at Bigfoot, it was like, okay, this is survival. This is, we got to keep going. And me and Julia have been in new near death experiences before. And so I'm like, we just got to go. This is like it. Let's just, How, I'm, how's that compare? <laughs> um, no, just out of curiosity, cause my situation I felt like was kind of one of those, I had 10 miles backtrack or 10 miles forward and I was soaking wet. And as you know, the temperature dropped and it was snowing it was so cold yeah. and we had to climb up. I, I think I might've even been borderline hypothermic at that point. Um, Oh, you probably were if you were if your stuff wasn't working. I mean, and I was but running. You were moving. You I was running up the the climb to try to keep to. body temperature up. Yeah, yep. It was. Mm-hmm. It I've was been there. Scary. I mean, is that anywhere near situations you've been in the past? Or oh yeah, I mean, I've been out in the mountains by myself like that, like where you have to move to survive, and that's why I always carry extra stuff because where I live. There could be a snowstorm coming in. You're not going to know that. You go out on a training run, 20-mile training run. You dip down, you know, go over a pass, and then you go down, and then all of a sudden, you know, the storm, it's pouring rain. You better have a jacket with you. You better have pants with you. You better have an emergency poncho. You better have an emergency blanket. You better have matches, uh, waterproof matches. You better have, you know, uh, your in-reach or a spot device with you. Like, I do that all the time when I train out here. But I didn't used to do that back in the day when I almost died many times, you know, before all of these fancy gadgets came into play. So you just have to be smart and and moving, as you can see, will keep you alive, you know. I was running, like that's that. how I described it. I said I, I, I was running for my life. You had to. And, and it's I like hurt. emotional almost in a weird way. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary because you're thinking like, what you, did you have a pacer with you too? No, no, you didn't. So I had one too, and I was like, I hope nothing happens to her because I can't help her. You know, I, what am I going to do? You know, she's yeah. not that far in, so she'll be okay. But I would have to leave her. Like we, I talked to her and I said, if something happens, Julia, I can't stay with you. You know, and she goes, No, I'm fine. I'll be fine. So we made like a thing. You know, like if she twisted an ankle, I can't stop moving. You know, I would have to go, keep going to get help. <laughs> She's on her own. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's interesting to know. So listeners, don't don't have the near-death experience and then buy the equipment that is necessary. Yeah. No. Be, be proactive. Don't make the same mistake that both Catcher and I have made. Um, well, and you we didn't have up. an emergency blanket with you because it wasn't required, our emergency uh, thing. I, so it wasn't I, required back then, was it? I had one for Tahoe. Oh, um, you you should have taken it out and wrapped. So this is what I have done in a storm when I had a thin jacket. I have carried those with me in the Sierras, and I put it on like a shawl, and then I put my pack back over it, and it will keep you warm. Yeah. 
I if you I literally that around you, you my been okay. my problem was I was so cold that I thought that you couldn't stop. Yeah, and the, your hands wouldn't have worked probably. E- exactly, I was con- mm-hmm. my hands. I kept squeezing them, and I could squeeze them less every time, like to the point yeah. where my fingers quit squeezing. And so I thought that if I got my pack off and you rummaged through, more of an issue. It might be too late to even like restart yeah. my heat. Um, it was hard. That was just a no, difficult situation. It's scary. My yeah. hands, my hands stopped working too. So I can only imagine. Were you up there when the sun started coming in and out though too? Yeah. At the very, very oh, top. Okay. At the very yep. top. So, so yeah. I must have just been right. So I must have been behind you. My guess is you. the next aid station. I slept for an hour waiting for my gloves to dry. You probably okay. booked through there when I was sleeping. Uh, yeah, guess. I changed everything again. I changed all my clothes and got all my warm clothes on uh, and got ready for that last push. Yeah. That was before yeah. the last push. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Or so how did it feel? You did really well during that race. Like coming through the finish line, did you collapse on the finish line? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> Candace, Candace didn't even recognize me. She's like, oh, great. <laughs> like after I was there for a minute because my friends had my little sign of uh, a picture of Truman and and I was all bundled up, so she didn't recognize me. <laughs> I had no pink. I was just like in gray pants and a blue jacket. And like, she's like, I didn't even know that was you, Catra. Sorry. And I'm like, that's oh, okay. Nobody noticed me. But I, you know, I felt good. I was just, you know, that, that cold and snow, I, I survived it and I felt pretty, pretty good. I mean, I was nice and warm. I basically, like that last section up in the snow, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't very cold. And I took a 10 minute sleep break in the snow because I had a full on snow, you know, vortex. so I didn't feel cold. I felt colder during that rain and, and the first snowstorm than I did going through all of that. So yeah. maybe because I had warm clothes, you know, I had at that point, I think I even had, I put a pair of Arteryx, uh, fleece pants on. So those made me really toasty. So I had those with the Gore-Tex pants over it. So, and I put it on my toastiest, toasty stuff. So I, and I had warmer ski gloves and dry gloves with hand warmers. So I, I was warm. I was taking my gloves on and off for a bit in there. So it was, it was cool seeing you. I think the next day at the finish line, we were watching people come in and you had a big smile on your face. So I felt like you were happy with that performance. Like it was, I was seemed like I a good really race happy. for you. I was, I was yeah. happy for you. I had a really good run there. I, I mean, I felt like I just kept feeling like I was getting stronger, you know? So how was Moab 240? How was getting to Moab 240 this year? And how were you feeling at the start line? So what did I do in between? Did I do anything? Oh, I had been up and down Whitney a couple of times. So that was my training. <laughs> Because as you know, you're not doing like, normally I'm a high mileage runner this time of year. I'm like 120 easily a week, you know, because I go up in the mountains and, you know, I'm all out training. So in between, as you know, it's like you don't want to get hurt. So you don't need to push. You need to eat a lot more, gain your weight back, um, you know, get your muscles recovered and, you know, go again. So um, in between, I did two back-to-back Whitney summits, like a week apart. So I went on a Wednesday and then went on another Wednesday, scored another permit. And I just felt really confident. And I went up the second time I went up, it was freezing fracking cold. I was like, 
okay, this is good Moab training. <laughs> I, you know, because I usually start like at 3.30 in the morning. So it's like I get no sleep. It's like 2.30 in the morning. You know, it's like I drive over there, park, and then I'm just like, what am I doing? <laughs> Why am I doing this? Because I was there the week before and I was like, you know what? Because you, it's good training, you know, just get your booty up there. So, you know, it was super cold and, you know, went up there, got to the top, tagged it, came back down, felt great and was like, okay, now I'm, I'm ready. So getting to the starting line, I felt really confident, you know, I was excited and I had in mind that I would like to do, you know, this was the third year I've done Moab and I thought, uh, my last time I did it in 102 hours and the year before the first time I did it in a hundred hours. So I thought, well, I'd like to do under 99 hours. So I was looking at 98 and the best case scenario, I thought I would do it in 96 hours. So that was like, you know, my main, like that would have been the, everything fell in place and everything was perfect. So I would have did it in 96, but as you know, I did it way faster. So I don't know <laughs> how that happened, but even my pacer who paced me last year, he crewed me, he was there and he just said, everything I did was more efficient and I was moving. Even when I was walking, I was walking faster than you I've were, ever walked. You were walking really fast. I saw you probably right around a hundred and seven miles in, I want to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, I think we were together. You had your pacer. Yeah, yeah. Kyle yeah. Pitari was there. We were chatting for probably two miles. And then yeah. you just kept climbing up that. You passed, oh, you passed right. me. I passed like, you in all that climbing big section. Big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was impressive. I like was just you flew up the mountain. <laughs> you know, and it was weird because I then eventually caught another guy up in there and he didn't know, you know, he didn't look behind to see who was behind him. He goes, this is really hard, huh? And I'm like, no. And he turned around and his light shined at me. He's like, is that Katra? And I go, yeah. And he goes, oh, never mind. <laughs> and I go, no, if you asked me that last year, I would have been like, this is harder. I go, I don't know. I go, it's just these, these, you know, doing Whitney two times the week before I couldn't, you're, you know, nothing can compare, you know, you're I'm not going just up a walking on some of the flats though. You had like a, a quick cadence to your hike speed like you were you were booking it and i think you were trying to get to sleep too you wanted yeah you wanted to get to shed to sleep yep which and you know what? i, I was doing the same more, thing i practice a lot more hiking fast this year so that wasn't something i did last year but every time i go out to like you know like if i do instead of doing my slow run uphill which i can do you know forever and i can run up a you know 1200 foot 12,000 foot peak, but at a slow piece, uh, pace, yeah. I would walk it instead and try to power walk fast instead of being like, oh, I have to run everything. I have to run, you know, I started walking a lot more on the, you know, doing all my uphill strong power walking, which is more fat. It's much faster than my slow run up a hill. <laughs> so it's... I got more efficient with that this year being living here and just going up to different passes like here's Sarge Pass. And then I really think that just took a a major turn when I did the uh, JMT with my friend this year, just like practicing my power hike up the hill. That's really and, good advice for the listener yeah. for even hundred mile distances. A lot of times it's so much more efficient to just have a good fast hike. It you're really going to, you're going to hike during a hundred or a 200. Like, and it's taken me years of like, 
dropping that, like, come on, just walk, you know, it's like, <laughs> no, I don't want to walk. I got to run. And like in my training, I'm like, I don't want people seeing me walk, you know, I'm going to pass all the hikers, but it's like, no, you can pass all the hikers, but just hike by them. You know, you don't always have to be in this like mode. And it definitely, definitely helped me this year practicing that. Well, know? I mean, it and, showed that's for sure. And so you got a good night's sleep at, sh- at the top of Shea. I did with was, my boots on. <laughs> was it hard to get to Shea? Because in my mind, I mean, last year I freaking hallucinated out of my mind that I kept doing loops <laughs> around Shea Mountain. I could never get to the top. I was top. that bad last year too than the year before. You had that same thing? Yeah, but this year I didn't have that. I didn't I, I didn't, didn't either. I, I literally I I kept ten, bending to I the right. I for 10 minutes and slept. Um, in the day before, as we were heading up there before nightfall, I mm-hmm. did remember stopping and sleeping for 10 minutes on the trail at did some point. So at I think the that island, was like at the island before, or where did you take that nap? No. Was it on the trail you said? Yeah, on the trail. Okay. No, I didn't, I didn't sleep any aid station until I got to Shea Mountain. So 121. So I, uh, did I sleep? I tried to sleep. I, I think I tried to sleep at the island. That was in the middle of nowhere. So I laid I saw, down. For I saw you minutes. there when I, I was did. leaving. I tried I was, to lay yeah, down. Yeah. I, and I went in. There was nobody in the tent. And I went in there and I just futzed around and charged my stuff. And so I stayed because I told the lady to wake me up in an hour. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, Oh. And I popped out in like 10 minutes. She goes, It's not an hour. And I go, I know I'm not going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't even, I don't even think I shut my eyes there. I was just like charging stuff and doing my feed. And so I went in there with intent to lay down for an hour and sleep and I couldn't. So I just kept going. I was like, I'm not tired. Just keep going. So I did actually lay down on the trail somewhere in the afternoon out there for 10 minutes. So you get to Shea, um, you take a good nap. It sounds like you have your, your, um, your boots on that mm-hmm. are that's okay. ge- genius. I did that last year just cause I had access to, some trial ones or whatever. Um, yeah, I have a pair of them. And I, I swear by them. Mine are the recovery pump boot ones. Mm-hmm. And I've had them for uh, a few years now. And I just, I swear, man, those things are a game changer. I mean, I didn't have them at Bigfoot. And I felt like I was trashed after. Because I even drove home 14 hours like the next day. And I was like, I didn't have my god dang boots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and that has made a difference at Tahoe and there I had my boots. And so just being able to put those on for an hour while I'm doing my two hour sleep makes a difference, I swear. So how was getting down to, um, it was a dry creek or something like that, uh, right around mile uh, 140, I think it is, the aid station, and then um, getting to wind whistle. How were those like flatter downhill miles for you? Were you totally oh, refreshed? Right. I did. I had a, a new pacer who he's doing his first 100K at Havelina, and I actually took him up Whitney for his one-year sobriety celebration, and we just met on Instagram, That's Facebook, awesome. and all that. Yeah, and so super nice guy. He came and stayed here. His name is Matt, and at last minute. So I only had one crew, one pacer, and I just thought, how are we going to do this? We're going to have to leave a car and try to get the car back and because you know Dave was going to pace me. Like, Not having wind whistle crew was kind of difficult logistically i don't know if you had that problem but yeah well i wasn't gonna have i mean i was just gonna have the one crew person anyway so matt 
at one. Well, yeah, because then I didn't see uh, my crew for what forty six miles. Yeah. Oh, well, right. until like road forty six. Forty six. Yeah. Yeah. So so Matt w- he was fresh as a daisy, so he he was excited. So it was all new for him. So it's good to have somebody super stoked and that's just getting into ultra running. And he actually. <laughs> he signed up for Tahoe 200 for next year at the lottery. <laughs> so I know he's sending me messages this week and he's like, what do you think? And I'm like, do it. What do you mean? What do I think? Like yeah. you got this dude. You know, he had such a great experience crewing there and sh- being part of that, that, you know, he drove from Arizona to come and pace me like out of like just last minute. He, you That's know, awesome. I just happened to ask him and I'm like, He's probably going to say no. He's got work. And so he brought him and the girl he's dating. And he's like, oh, my God. He goes, yeah. He goes, I'll, I'll work it out here. And so they drove however many hours. I don't know, eight hours, seven hours, nine hours. Who knows? So they came and they showed up. And he got to pace me 46 miles. And so that was the downhill section. So he, he got to, you know, he was happy. He goes, I'll go from here to here. And he goes, that's an easy section. That's all downhill. So I just kind of trudged along, just shuffled along. I didn't have any issues you know i felt fresh going through there and didn't have any complaints in that section at all how'd the so. road how'd the road feel getting into wind whistle oh i hit it yeah oh that's one that oh i remember that now yeah my feet hurt <laughs> right yeah <laughs> my feet really hurt and that's when i started like ow my feet hurt and i stopped and i i forgot her name she was working the aid station and i got a foot massage for like 20 minutes and then i got my feet taped so she cleaned my feet she's from australia oh my god i'm forgetting her name she ran it she's great she's really nice shorter hair i think right yeah dark hair really pretty shorter hair yep yep so she gave me a freaking foot massage a leg massage (laughs) so i mean i was just like you are the best. I'm like, Oh my God, I cannot believe that like you were here. So she really helped my feet because it was just whatever pressure point she was doing helped. And then I got my feet taped. I think Brian was there and he taped that ball on my foot. And then I felt fresh leaving there, you know, like I felt rejuvenated just having her do that and just being, and I, and I think I took a pretty long break there. It seemed like an hour, you know, by the time I was eating and stuff. It was really hot getting in there. Oh, uh, he didn't. I thought it was nice. <laughs> I, I wanted. To <laughs> well, I didn't do bad it. water. Okay, so I didn't yeah. have my heat training. Well, um, shit, last year it was so windy and cold through yeah, there. Are you yeah. kidding? The so headwind. Like, yeah, it oh. was nice. I was I was grateful for the weather. Trust me. So, so yeah, so I, you get down to road forty six. Like it's it's a reasonable run. It's long. It's like fifteen miles. Um, it can mm-hmm. take a while. It's mentally kind of torturous but um like are you prepared to go into the into those later it's probably the sun setting uh you know what you're you know what you're getting into at road 46 like you're going into two of the hardest segments of the whole race you know you're you're mentally preparing to get to pole canyon which is pretty remote um how were you mentally uh, Good, because I was get, I was going to change out my pacer, so I was getting my new pacer, get fresh person, and I laid down. I was like, oh, I'm going to sleep, and then I didn't sleep, but I just laid there, and they got me food, and I got, you know, because you go in a car, and then it's freezing out there, so I just mentally yeah, prepared for that, mm-hmm. and I was just feeling really good. Like, my energy, like, they even, even uh, I think, 
my pacer Dave said I slept there like for two and or three hours or something last year. He, he, he said I laid there for a long time, like I wasn't budging, and I was like ready to go. I just wanted my food and sit there and like let's do this. And so at that point is when I got a text from Candace that I was third female. <laughs> well, that helps. So then I was like. I'm not sleeping. I'm not stopping. I'm just going to go. You just had a big smile on your face the whole rest of the race. Oh, well, I then I'm like scared. I'm like, don't tell me these things. I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) fuck, well, then it wears fourth place woman. Like, do I have to like, yeah, that's true too. And so, so I had no reception for a long time. So I just like ran, like, you know, she was closing on, on me until I think the next day. Or whatever it was, I was able to get a hold of Phil, and I was, you know, because I'm yelling at my pacer to figure it out, and he can't, he doesn't have reception. And I'm like, check the thing, where is she? <laughs> like, so then Phil, I was like, Phil, get on the computer. I go, just find out where she's at, and like, what kind of lead do I have? And he was like, you're like seven miles ahead. So I was like, yeah, okay, like well, I'm not going to sleep. Ahead. So if I'm not going to sleep, and she might sleep, and yeah. But you never know. What if I fell apart and I stopped? If I stop for two hours, three hours, she's going to gain on me. Yeah. You know, so I just kept myself moving and then, you know, just told myself, just, you know, hang, keep pushing. You know, you got somebody behind you and you can potentially be third, which is great. You know, I was excited. I was like, wow, you know, I'd like to get, you know, a podium finish here for sure. So were you in and out of Pole Canyon quickly? Because that was, mm. it felt like forever to get there. Like So it did take climb. forever because yeah. my, my um, pacer was having problems. So he's like, Catra, I can, and he's good for 80 miles. My friend Dave, like his pace, you know, he's come out and done FKT things with me. But he was lacking sleep and he just was not feeling good. And he didn't complain at all. But I could tell like on all the climbs, I was like way ahead of him. And just, I could tell he and was it gets up, like altitude wise too. Yeah. And he finally told me, he goes, I can't go on with you anymore. Oh, goes, yikes. Yeah. And I go, well, that's, a, you know, I was like, okay. Like, kind of freaked out for a minute. I'm like, what do you mean? And then I was like, calm down. You're almost going to finish. <laughs> so I'm like, no, okay. I got to stay with you. I go, because he's like, leave me. And I'm like, no, I can't actually leave you because of Candace made the speech. Like, we got to stay with our person, you know, our pacer. If they're having a problem, then it's our responsibility. And he was kind of feeling like he was going to pass out. So there's no way I'm going to leave him, you know, like until I can get close enough to the aid station to make them aware that he's having a problem, you know? So he, he's like, just go on ahead. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. So I stayed with him. And then finally, when I know it was like a half a mile from the aid station, then I kind of took off ahead. And then I told medical, I said, my pacer's coming in and he's struggling. So he's going to need attention. So then he, they kind of went out to him and then he came in and he's like, I just need to lay down. I need medical. So he, Lay down and, and he just, you know, it was a long drive. He drove from LA and he had a race last weekend and he hadn't been training that much. So he had a tough hundred K and it was just a combination of things, but it was mostly lack of sleep because he's a photographer too. And he was traveling a lot. So we got him taken care of. And then there was another runner then I said, is there any runners leaving right now that I could leave with? I said, I'd, I'd like to go out with somebody and this guy, I forget his name. Teaming up, teaming up is key. Like in bad, kind of sketchy situations, team up with other runners. It's so helpful. We were both excited. You know, we're heading to the finish now, and his family was there, and they were super nice. They're like, "Yeah, go with Katra." (laughs) (laughs) So his daughter made his day. My daughter really (laughs) likes you. So, 
so yeah, we went together and we stayed together all through that section until we got, you know, and luckily I knew that like when you're winding around and before you get to the, the bike path road thing, when you're heading towards the finish, like he would have been getting lost. I ended up having to, he was in front of us leading those lead the way i go let me get in front of you please i go let me lead us through here i know this section well and so i let us through it because he was kind of stumbling around not knowing where to go i go just follow me do you think that's the hardest section of the race or was that just my personal experience no and actually i ran i dropped my pacer there last year i was running so fast i put my music on and took off and he was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so and I was just like on it because I know uh, like the first year it was like I was lost in there. Me, Phil and Charlotte ran together the last 120 miles and we were just like stumbling around in that section it's, the year before. It's hard to run part like a lot of those It is. Well, it was like... in the light daylight last year. So I was able to see it was oh, morning. Okay. So, but this year I just knew where to go. It was just like I know how to read trail really well now. And so I just had him behind me and I got us down there and then. Finally, I let him get in front because his daughter was going to run out to him. And then they finished like a minute in front of me. So I let, I actually ended up giving him space because he's like, oh, stay with us. And I was like, no, no, no. You know, I wanted him to have his family enjoy his experience of him finishing his first 200. And I've done that at 100 milers where I stepped out of the way like somebody's coming in for the first 100. And I'm like, I, I want to stay behind. I want you to have your moment. Yeah, no, yeah. No, just because I've done a million of these things, I don't want to be in your, you know, I want you and people have come up to me or emailed me after and said, that was very nice of you. Yeah. But, and so I, I there's no did point in him. like, a, yeah. yeah, yeah, there's no, like he would have wanted me to finish with him, but I'm like, oh, no, 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 go. Yeah. So then he took off and he got excited because then his daughter's 17 year old daughter's going to run the last couple of miles with him. And then they kind of took off. And then at some point I'm on that flat freaking road, you know, bike path. And there's four people in front of me. So I pass these two guys, and then I see two women. And one had a pacer bib. So at this point in my head, all I'm thinking is, could that be the second-place woman? And she had a struggle, and she stopped. And now, you know, I didn't know because she didn't. I didn't see a bib. I didn't see anything. She had, a, like, a jacket on, like a, mm-hmm. a parka. And so I just started fucking running, hauling ass. So I passed the two guys and I passed the two women and I'm just like, it could potentially be second. I could be second. Like in my <laughs> head, I just like started running a nine, nine minute mile to the finish. And I looked back and I turned my light off and I'm like, I think you're trying to catch me now. And I just kept going. So, and I realized at the end, the two guys were the runners and the two women were the pacer. Oh no. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't matter. I just wanted to get there. And I was yeah. like, it could something could be you know can i just say running those last three miles in the moab 240 finish line is so much more enjoyable than hiking it yes exactly (laughs) like a slow jog like getting getting in within 35 minutes as opposed to an hour and 30 minutes oh it's much nicer different experience save your legs for those last three people exactly (laughs) because it's flat as a pancake yeah um i so, so I, I, yeah, and I was like, had no idea what time it was. Like, no, I just knew I was going to finish in a good time. <laughs> so then I had to calculate. I'm like, figure out my time. What's my time? You know, it's like I can't do mathematics when I'm out there. So then, ninety three forty five. Yeah, good so for I, third female. And what's really cool is overall thirty 
third. So I know. So they three, three, three. right away. <laughs> yeah. So when I came in, they're like, Catra, you're third female. But wait, wait, wait. You're thirty third overall. And I was like, Yes, my three three threes have it. <laughs> and and for the listeners background, her bib number is three three three. three, three. three. And I'm think obsessed with the number three. It's just my, my bib number was 33 this year. Yes, you were. You were. Cause and it was when three I last out, like, year. Oh. <laughs> so usually, I pick, you know, if it's a race that doesn't have high numbers, then I pick 33. So, and I think the first year I did Tahoe, I was 33 because she wasn't, like, allowing for the number thing. And then I think I told her last year, I'm like, can I have 333? Three, three, three? And she goes, well... Okay, that's when she started letting people pick their bib because she let me have mine. And so she's like, okay, we got to let other people pick in between. So that's why she lets it up to a certain number. I, I asked my- for 401. <laughs> I was going to do 401, but now, unfortunately, I think 33 is like my new lucky number. So, um, And I don't know if she lets it go up that far. I think my – Yeah, I saw yeah, – I- think doesn't go past three something 350 it, yeah normally it's 350 but i saw a lot of 400s out there oh did you so i think she just kind of threw in the towel and was like whatever if people want okay. these numbers <laughs> we'll give it to them um, well, i already screwed everything up last year so <laughs> i still think we should be allowed to pick emojis as our bid numbers that would be awesome <laughs> <laughs> one so, day so I saw you at the finish line. It was cool. You were, you stayed there a long time, I want to say. You were there. Well, I, well, I went and slapped. <laughs> okay. Okay. And you so came, I came back. back. Okay. I got finished like at whatever, 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. And then yeah. I went and finished and then came back. And it was like, of all odd things, my ex-husband showed up to the finish oh, line. Well, I mean, every year I go to Moab, I'm like, hey, Ammon, and he's a famous uh, big wall climber, and he's a base jumper, and he had his leg amputated from base jumping, and he's just like this crazy, insane guy. But I get this text, and it's like, oh, when are you going to be finishing? I'm at the finish line, and I'm like, who in the hell is this? I don't know this number. (laughs) And he's like, it's Ammon, and I'm like, oh, my God, you're going to be at the finish? Awesome. So he actually showed up at the finish, so it was nice seeing him and then he stuck around and I really wanted him to meet Garrett because Garrett is like a fanboy of him. And he actually ended up meeting Garrett during the night when Garrett was over there. He goes, Oh, I already met that dude. And I was like, Oh good. Out of all the people I wanted you to meet, he is the guy that's like a fanboy. Is Garrett a climber? Yes. That's why he's like, he has that build. I just didn't make the connection until now. Interesting. Yeah, and so he's like followed my ex-husband for years. He's just like, oh, that guy's so rad. Everything he does, <laughs> and I'm like, well, don't follow him off of any cliffs. <laughs> base jumping. Yikes. So yeah, uh, it was nice that he actually showed up because he's been around when I was, you know, running, and he's run some ultras, and you know, and I've climbed El Cap with him. So it was just out of the blue. He, had, you know, of, of the last three years, I've invited him, and he finally showed up. So, so. Let's finish up with one one or two last questions. I appreciate all sure. your time. We could talk for mm-hmm. days about all all the details of the triple. <laughs> it's cool to have a shared experience, though. Yeah. Um, are you Are you going to do it again? Well, actually, I mean, I undecided. I still got to I got to talk to um, a few people, but I mean, I think mentally, I've decided if I have the opportunity to do Moab two forty again. Uh-huh. The doing my third one would be kind of cool. I absolutely love Bigfoot and Tahoe 200. I'm like, yeah, 
That was a bad yeah. race. Like I'm just yeah. kind of indifferent. Um, and I get that question all the time. Which is your favorite? Honestly, there was one mile of Bigfoot 200 this year that was the best mile of running I've ever done. Like most beautiful. And then I would say Moab 240 might have been one of my best races ever. Yeah, um, that's like me. And then Tahoe was just kind of a shitstorm. Uh, so I, I think I might if I had the opportunity. But I know you and I have uh, signed up for some yes. crazy ass uh, California, California Untamed. Yeah, what do you? I'm what are you thinking? That, what are you thinking? I'm, oh, I'm so excited about that because that part of the country is amazing. When I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, just being up in that Shasta area out near Breading, above all of that, it's just like really cool. And that's where we've had Bigfoot. The true picture of Bigfoot is come has come from that area. That exact photograph that everybody shows yeah. show that, but that's where he was sighted. And I was watching a Bigfoot thing about that area, and the most sightings have been over there. So I got to tell Jimmy that he was making yeah, it's Bigfoot calls. Cool. <laughs> that's so, cool. That's really cool. I am stoked about that. And you know, I already agreed to myself that I would not run the Triple Crown next year. Although I want to do it a third time, but I'm going to give back next year. So I'm going to do everything I need to do to help Candace um, at Bigfoot and Tahoe. So that means. Marking the course, being out there the couple of weeks ahead to set up aid stations, whatever they need. I'm going to be working for them the entire two races. I might make that pledge, too. If I do a destination trail race, I'll I'll have to, um, in 2021, make plans to do some volunteer work for them because they've been really good uh, supporters. I need to I need to give back. Well, that's why I am. And I'm like, can't, she goes, no, I'd rather have you run it. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I go, I'm insisting that you do not let me sign up. Just let me, I'll just sign up for Moab and, you know, cause I've done all the Moab. So yeah, you know, I figured yeah. five years she'll, we'll get something cool. So I'll just continue doing that. But no, I really, really want to give back. And, I you love know, and Moab, I can sweep I and mark I and I do too. I it's love weird. that area. I hate I it and I love, love it. That. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely love that area. You know, and as you can see, you did a great time this year. You knocked off what twelve hours? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, very which fortunate. Is incredible. Thank you. You know, yeah, and I <laughs> knocked off seven hours. So it's like trending in the right way. I can, I can be faster. <laughs> yeah, you can. Trust me, so, you can. And with that three thirty, I am definitely expecting to be able to do a fast time there for sure. Three hundred and thirty you know? miles. Well, I did 224 miles on combination roads and trails and sleeping every single day in like seven days, nine hours or something when I did the Muir Ramble route. So, Can I just tell you, I might, <laughs> for California Untamed, I, I'll just announce it now, I'm, I might try to be semi-competitive. And this is like- Me too. Like women. <laughs> like for the first time ever- um, I'm seeing a trend where if I run further, I become better. Um, I think so too. That's like I how keep I feel. ending stronger and stronger and stronger. So um, I might try to be semi-competitive, which means maybe a top ten, and there'll probably be I don't know a hundred people out there. So yeah, I'll try to podium. As push my female. limits. <laughs> yeah, I, it'll be fascinating to see what females sign up for the race. Yeah. Um. But 330 miles will be a new PR for me. I'll probably get together. 
hopefully Amazon will just sign and just here have, yeah. <laughs> have season two will just just become a professional runner, Rob. Right. Um, <laughs> but he really but, needs to add a few more miles on there. I already told him. <laughs> <laughs> but he said he's not going to let me stop. I have to go three more miles at the finish. <laughs> That's that is cool. That is really yeah. cool, Katra. Um, and honestly, like Moab two forty ran two forty four this year, so yeah, that would be really cool. Bib number three three three. Yeah, three three three. My bib. I have that bib for Havelina next or this weekend too. <laughs> well, have fun at that race. I appreciate yeah. all your time. We'll we'll catch up. I'm sure going into California and came three thirty. Oh. Where can people follow you on social media? They can follow me at Dirt Diva three 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 on Instagram or Catcher Corbett on uh, on Facebook and Dirt Diva thirty three on Twitter and my website's CatcherCorbett dot com. Where can they pick up your book? I would prefer them to order it through my com, or if they don't want to and they want to get audio or whatever that audible books they can order through Amazon and anywhere else. Catra, have a they- g- have a great night. I'll leave uh, a link in the show notes. Thanks for all your time and Thank you. congrats on the triple crown of 200s plus a bad water. Just an unbelievable year. Thank you so much. You too. And that's episode 111. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. You know, we could have dived in and talked for probably days about each, you know, the details of each race. And we, Catcher and I literally, we ran the exact same courses for 650, 655 miles. So we got some really unique, similar experiences. And then we also had our own personal experiences. So hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Thanks to the show sponsors, Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, Exoskin, Destination Trail, Ultimate Direction. And yeah, just really enjoyed this episode. Thankful to have Catra on and appreciate your guys' support. Appreciate the Patreon supporters. You guys are always awesome. Enjoy the closed Facebook group conversations. But yeah, we have a... uh, a lot going on a lot of really exciting upcoming things to share so get out there don't forget to enjoy your training have a great week see you guys